Finding time for reflection and pondering isn't always easy and can be particularly difficult when taking care of children or when you have serious challenges or poor health or when you're extremely busy with work, a project, or even a calling. Marine Proctor Jensen, who gave a talk at a BYU Women's Conference, shares a time when she was a young mother and even got a babysitter just so she could go on a hike and study the scriptures without distraction. She needed an answer to a prayer and made the effort to get it. Even through our busy, chaotic, distracting, and at times distressing lives, she says, the Lord gives us inspiration when we don't realize we're getting it. Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast, where we share the inspiring stories and teachings of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Shaylin Back, and I'm here with Carly Guyman. We're your co-hosts. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Shaylin. As a reminder, in this season of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we are learning from the lives and teachings of women featured in the book At the Pulpit, which is a church publication available online, churchhistorianspress.org, and also on the the Gospel Library app. So today we are very excited to have James Goldberg with us. Thanks so much, James, for for being here. So glad to be here. (laughs) We'll introduce James. He's a a fascinating person and has done some really amazing work. James Goldberg studied theater and ran a theater company devoted to new playwrights work before going back to school to earn an MFA in creative nonfiction, the art of using writing techniques to explore true events in an engaging way. He's published plays, essays, short stories, a novel, and two poetry collections. And since 2013, he's worked with the church history department, helping fill the church history website and church history section of the Gospel Library app with stories, articles, and videos. And James, we had been talking earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about some projects that you're working on now? One that I love is the Global Histories project within the Gospel Library app or the the Church History website where we go country by country. And we've got a timeline and an overview, but then a section that's stories where we take individuals from different time periods in each place and kind of help people understand how the church developed. And I think sometimes the way I talk about church history is if you if you see it as full of laboratories of discipleship, right? How did people experiment with being disciples in these really different, sometimes kind of extreme crazy situations? So like um, in Liberia and Sierra Leone, what did church members do during the Ebola outbreak, right? That you've heard about, you get a different sense of it in that section. So that's been a lot of fun. Also excited for a thing that's still a ways out, but we've been working on, which is a history of the Young Women's Organization. And I've gotten a chance to collaborate with the main writers on that and and bring some of my sort of creative writing uh, expertise and perspective to them and and just really interesting stories. We're excited Uh, for that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, James. We're, We're really excited to have you here and to have your insight on this topic. So in this episode, we're talking about revelation and how serious reflection leads to receiving revelation. And to guide our discussion, as we mentioned in the introduction of this episode, we're talking about a talk given by Maureen Proctor, and it's called Serious Reflection Precedes Revelation. And this is actually in a bonus chapter of At the Pulpit, and so it is available online, and you can actually listen to a recording of it as well. Just to get into it, James, tell us about Maureen Proctor. Maureen is somebody I really admire the kind of work she's done. She was interested in writing. Her mom was interested in writing an expression. They've had that kind of family legacy. 
that they've passed down. Ended up, when she was living in Chicago, just answering the phone at church while I think cleaning the church or something. And it was a reporter who wanted a perspective on Latter-day Saint women. And she said, you know, I'm also a writer. I could write a piece for you. And that led to more with her husband co-founded a website that's still around called Meridian Magazine. I admire somebody who has worked really hard to give space for other people's voices. Um, So she describes how her writing process allows her thoughts and questions to be recorded in a way that she receives personal revelation and guidance. Um, So as a writer yourself, I mean, you have such a fascinating background and so much experience. What can you share about your own personal experience receiving understanding and revelation through through writing. Yeah, I like her the theme of her talk that serious reflection precedes revelation that that you start and it's the questions we ask, right? Every section of doctrine and covenants comes from some kind of question or sometimes anxiety and worry that they just work over and work over and then it comes. And I think writing and even different genres of writing kind of give you different ways to think about things. And I remember uh, actually as a missionary having missionaries in my district, a lot of times we study the scriptures or the gospel by topic and doctrine. And I said, guys, pick a pick a character. We're going to study by person. Oh, wow. And find somebody and take some time to just think about what are their highs and what are their lows and what are their challenges and how did they face them and how do you connect to them? And it was a very cool experience for those missionaries, and you know, for me doing it with them. And I think, yeah, I've tried throughout my life to kind of bring sometimes that, that writing literary perspective to my reading of scripture and, and it's deeper when I'm thinking, yeah, what, what, what are they facing? How might they be feeling? What's, what's going through their mind? What's the space look like around them, right? And really putting yourself in those moments. I think sometimes we under-experience the scriptures because we... Well, and so yeah. often a character in scripture becomes one-dimensional, right? There's only one right. attribute that characterizes them or one experience, but none of us are one-dimensional. Right. So when we can open up and broaden the experiences yep. of individuals in scripture, it's like, oh, wow, this yep. does this does apply to me. And mm-hmm. sometimes that opens up new questions and answers for you that you wouldn't have seen if you were just trying to say, okay, what are the core mathematical statements of truth here, right? You know, mm-hmm. so I like that. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. That's something that you did on your mission. And I think that we can kind of carry that into learning about the people that have given discourses that are included in at the pulpit as well, that that instead of studying the themes, we kind of also study their experiences and what they bring to give context to this topic. And so we appreciate your thoughts about Maureen, I think. That's really helpful. James, this episode is a little different from the other episodes in this series because Maureen Proctor is a contemporary voice, right? She's still living. She's still creating. She's still writing. So from your perspective as a historian and a writer, why do you think this talk by Maureen was chosen to be included in this collection? The thing that I think spoke to us as historians about this talk is the way she turns to history for inspiration. And she, particularly to Lucy Max Smith, who starts the volume, right? So, so our first talk in the volume is from Lucy Max Smith, who's, who's an underappreciated figure in church history. Just to me, 
an incredible figure, wrote the first family history in the history of the church. That's a genre we did a ton now. Uh, was super important, like managing the kids as, as everybody moved from New York to Ohio, our first mm-hmm. pioneer journey that you don't think about. Um, I just love Lucy McSmith. And, uh, and Maureen does too. That's something we got in common. And, and so I think the way that she turns to the past to face the problems of the present really was fitting in terms of, of yeah, ca- capping out this volume and, and modeling for us what we can get out of turning to women of previous generations or previous historical moments. It's an interesting way to think about it. And so, uh, James, as you were reading, what were some of the themes that you discovered that you think would be valuable for our listeners to know? Just this dynamic of distraction. We live in a world where you cannot avoid distraction. So how do you manage it? And how do we think, particularly when we're talking about women's experience, a lot of women carry a disproportionate amount of the mental load of managing a household. So there's just going to be a lot on your mind. And Maureen's very aware of that. She had that life experience. So what do you do to take time for that, that serious pondering in the midst of all that? Since you're talking about distraction, I love that she says not only are our lives riddled with distractions, too often we think distractions are what life is all about. So while we're having these distractions and it's something that's normal, that's not what life is about. And she says, if we should have a moment of quiet, too often we actively seek to fill it with more distractions. So I think that's the difference. I think, you know, there are natural distractions that we can accept and just know that that's part of life. But then when we are presented with these moments of, wow, I have 10 minutes while I'm waiting for a doctor's appointment, you know, it's what are we doing with those moments? You know, are we finding distractions that aren't valuable or are there other ways that we can use our time? And I think we all, as humans, like to feel needed and important and significant. And sometimes distract, some distractions come out of that trap. We feel like if we're busy and if we're thinking about that, that means we're important, right? <laughs> or, and that's a cultural thing we've done. And if sometimes you can say, no, <laughs> you know, I'll have time for that maybe later. Um, one thing actually that... Uh, it is my birthday today. Oh, and, uh, happy birthday, James. <laughs> Thanks. And I asked my wife for a whiteboard because I'm, one goal I set after reading this talk is to take more time to just quickly note, here's some things I'm going to think about later and not now, right? So that when I have all those distractions, I can get it down, set it aside, and move on and give myself time to focus on... Mm-hmm. The things that are that are really significant to me, and not just the stuff that yeah, I've got to I've got to deal with, and it's naturally on my mind. I think that's a maybe good takeaway for us, right? That those things that feel ever present, we we can manage that, right? Yep. We can manage and decide when we think about certain things or or approach different ideas that come that pop into our minds. I think something that I thought a lot about when reading this talk, kind of backing it up. So we're talking about how distractions can keep us from receiving direction and guidance from God when we need it most in our lives. Something that she taught that I feel is so simple, but sometimes is overlooked, is that as we need help and we have problems and have issues, if we can remember that God knows everything and he comprehends all and he has all wisdom and there are ways that he can share that with us. 
and that when he sure makes us work for it sometimes, I though. <laughs> I mean, he wants us to stretch, so we've got that right. confidence. We need a place to right. go, and I think that's that was a good reminder for me. Was just. Do I have confidence in God? Am I, as I have a question or a problem and I think of all the people in my life that I'm reaching out to, to give me advice or to bounce ideas off of, am I remembering that God is one of those people that I can reach out to him? It seems that throughout her talk, she's talking about the value of questions. And, you know, she's talking about when we ponder and when we reflect, God can speak to us. He can give us guidance. But it seems that it all starts, if we go to the very beginning, it starts with a desire it starts with this yep. burning desire and these burning questions. And Shailen and I have both talked. Sometimes we there are times in our life when we feel that almost anxiety of I need God's help and I need inspiration. And there are other times, uh, using the words of Maureen, she says, sometimes we're just real shallow. Sometimes we're right. very <laughs> shallow and we're just yeah. consumed with the tasks of the day and... Heavenly Father, help me have a good night's sleep and help me get my to-do list done. And we don't stop to think about what are my deeper questions? So what can we do to develop that hunger and develop questions when maybe we're not very deep thinkers naturally? Part of it may be getting used to some discomfort, right? Because a lot of times, I mean, and if there's the the oyster and pearl, right? How does an oyster make a pearl? Well, the, the sand just itches. And then it covers it in, in layer after layer till you get this pearl. But I think sometimes we want to go, oh, things, things are okay. And most of these questions, there's this phrase of divine discontent people have used to describe like Old Testament prophets <laughs> who are never quite happy with how things are. I've been really moved lately by the story of Ardith Cap, who did a lot of work coming up with the young women's program that served us so well for kind of an era, and then now we're moving into to something new. But she's definitely somebody who was concerned about the experience of young women and what they were facing and was clear-eyed about the needs and the challenges, and that drove her to seek revelation and drove her to really advocate for change when momentum makes it hard, right? Like... Um, And so I think part of the secret for how do you ask those deeper questions is ultimately we think of God giving us light and this is a good thing. But first, the brother of Jared has to get comfortable with going, wait, this is going to be dark. Am I going to be able to breathe? Right. Like you have to be willing to to deal with some worry first and embrace that worry, but then not get buried under that worry, but turn it toward a solution and have confidence that. Right. God has answers to everything so I can take this burden of worry on me and there's going to be a place beyond it where I can be a co-worker in this work of salvation and moving forward. Well, and then you shared that experience of how you want you want a whiteboard for your birthday so that you can write down these ideas so that you can come back to. And I think that's key is leaving time for serious reflection about these things that we're worried about or that we're thinking about. And um, Carly, you mentioned sometimes we don't even really know the questions to ask. So it's just leaving time. And I think those questions will come of that reflection and that pondering. And since we do have the audio for this talk, I would love to hear um, some of Maureen's words. She says, What can we ponder? We can ponder what the scriptures mean. We can ponder about what the real questions are we need to pray about. Sometimes before I pray, I write my questions down in a notebook so I don't forget them. (laughs) Too often something urgent and obvious blinds us to the real issue at hand. 
What is it that I need to see that I'm not seeing? We can ponder how the Lord sees our challenges and how he would solve them. We can ponder the tender mercies of the Lord in our lives and what it teaches us about his attributes. Pondering leads us to truths beyond what the natural man or woman can find. Stability when the world around is reeling. Light when we have been traveling blindly. A world of invitation awaits. So many things about our lives we cannot choose, but we can decide where our minds travel. I love the distinction she makes there between what is urgent and what is important. And I think that's a huge trap in a fast-moving culture, right? If you're managing a household, there are things like if you don't wash clothes at some point, that gets, that gets pretty urgent. And, and if there's children in the home, obviously that creates a lot of sudden urgency. But, yeah, you can get very reactive to just the urgent. There's a trick to sometimes saying, okay, let me put aside what's urgent. I'll, I'll record the, these things. What's my moment to think about what is important to me? And what I want to drive for, and that can be simple. I remember Martine Levitt, who's a Latter-day Saint, who's a really talented writer, said she learned to write during her young children's baths because she could. She'd grab a notebook, and while they bathed, she'd something they could play a little bit, and she'd write a sentence or two. And she said, "I got really good at sentences." But later, when she had time to also write paragraphs and pages and novels. Right, She had that foundation from saying, here's a thing that's long-term important to me, and I'm going to carve out bath time as my sacred time to work on this thing that I feel like is my God-given gift, and I want to develop, and I want to be able to contribute. And now is not the season to do everything I want to do, mm-hmm. but I can do something. I'm going to make room amongst the urgent for the thing I also find important. So what are some other takeaways that we can implement in our lives today like we can do today and change i really loved that story she told in the talk at the beginning about her daughter coming in what four hours or something after curfew right middle of the night after they'd been worried so here's somebody who's not living by the family rules and the way she's expected who's out of line and the first temptation right is to okay i just have to show her (laughs) why this is wrong, and I don't think there's a problem with it, right? I mean, accountability is good, but she's finding that's not working and creating this defensiveness, and part of what I love is how much that is the thing she is giving some of this serious reflection to. She acknowledges that the the gulf between a parent and a teenage child can be substantial, right? They come from a different world, a different generation, have different sensibilities. You, you have this wisdom, but not all of it's going to translate. And so she's, she's mindful of this gap. I did love, and it's something I'm going to use sometimes, that she and her husband say they tag team it, that he takes the assignment. To, he's going to stay in his room and pray, and she's going to go. And so she knows she's got that prayer in her pocket. And actually, she she says first she's she's kind of coming down hard on the accountability, which is good, but there's limits to that. And then she, she says she takes a moment, right, in the middle of this conversation with her daughter to reflect and to kind of lean on those prayers she knows are happening upstairs. And then feels inspired to shift to something else, right, because she's been praying about her daughter and says, you know what, let's, let's table this, this issue of the discussion. rules, this curfew discussion. And let me tell you, as I was praying about you, some of the things the Spirit whispered to me. The answer to her prayer is 
from God, she's my daughter too, and she's going to be okay. And there's stuff maybe beyond the mother's understanding that, that she needs to be there to support. But I think it's interesting, right, that she can have that shared space with her daughter. She is recognizing this moment as, as a gap and one of those things that is worthy of attention and worthy of prayer. And she tried to fill that with her effort. She says, you know, I was very forceful at first. And then when she kind of stepped back is when she received this revelation of what she should say to her daughter. And it was very impactful to her daughter and her daughter really responded to it. So with that, in Maureen's words, she says that God has things to tell us that are only accessible to a mind that can often be given to serious reflection. So she's already had time to seriously reflect on, you know, the, this relationship with her daughter and, and her relationship with Heavenly Father. And so her mind was available when she was confronted with this problem. And I thought that that was amazing how well her daughter truly responded to that. A takeaway I think that we can can we we can have from this talk is Maureen sort of defines what she thinks serious reflection means and she says that it's very focused and concentrated thought. And we talked earlier that she said sometimes before I hustle into a prayer I'll stop and I'll think, you know, what do I what do I want to pray about? What do I need to pray about? And she'll even write it down in a journal. And I think that intention instead of this hurried you know, ah, I got to worry about dinner and ah, I got to worry about, you know, that appointment later this week. And she really focuses and concentrates, maybe if it is just for small portions of time, because we know there's a lot going on, but she has moments of real reflection and serious reflection. And I think that's something, can I, could I really say that my prayers were serious and focused, even if it's just a short prayer, or even if it's just one time during the day, but that's, I think, something that I could take away from this. Shailen, you'd mentioned a story uh, about a time she got a babysitter. Yes. So she she got a babysitter to because she wanted time to ponder. So she took her she took her scriptures and went on a hike. And there's a couple things that I love about this story. First of all, the fact that she. She, so I get a babysitter when I want to go to a movie with my husband or when <laughs> we want to go to dinner and talk. But I just thought, wow, what a neat thing that she was just thinking, no, I need to make time to seriously reflect and receive revelation. And so she goes on this hike with her scriptures. And then she says that the flies were so thick that she was just going crazy, that they were landing on her scriptures. She wasn't able to read. And she was like, oh, I'm not getting my answers. But then she realized the flies kind of were the answer in that they were so distracting that she just re- related that to the other distractions in, in her life. So going back to that yeah, conversation that about distracting distractions in our lives and how can we make time for serious reflection and still receive revelation amidst those yeah. distractions. <laughs> and I do think if this talk, there's a danger with this talk. If it makes you feel guilty for being distracted, that's mm-hmm. bad. If it gives you permission to carve out space outside those distractions, that's good. Yes, and to feel empowered. So in conclusion, President Nelson has also recently emphasized the fact that we cannot afford to live without the Spirit of God and making the effort to seek out divine help for our lives through pondering and serious reflection will make all the difference. So we'll leave you with this quote from Maureen. She says, we must decide if we will travel this mortal journey tangled in distractions or find time on a daily basis for the serious reflection and pondering that leads to revelation, whether we will travel in dark barges or have them lit by stones touched by the finger of God. These times are so dangerous, we simply cannot afford to travel blindly. 
Thank you so much, James, for being here with us and for sharing your insights on Maureen's thoughts and on her on her talk. And thank you guys for helping people take time to think about these talks and to do that in a format, this podcast format that can help in a rush life be, be accessible and something to hold on to. Thanks, James. So yes, to each of you listening to the podcast today, we hope that if you liked what you heard, that you'll leave us a rating and a review that helps other people find the podcast and share it with a friend or a family member. Um, we would We would really appreciate that. And we would also love to hear your comments and ideas uh, for things that you would like to hear on this podcast. And so we invite you to send your feedback to podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. As a reminder, At the Pulpit is available in its entirety on the Gospel Library app and online at churchhistorianpress.org. So we invite you, our listeners, to use this talk and the other talks from At the Pulpit as you study the gospel, as you speak, and as you teach and lead. And we know that it can be a really rich resource for you to get to know the women of the church. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thank you for listening.